Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the ESPN 2016 NBA Draft Combine call. Today's guest is ESPN basketball analyst Fran Frischilla. Thank you, Fran, for being with us. And thank you to all the writers and media members on the call. Uh, our intent is to get to all of you during our time here together. Uh, our draft combine coverage begins tomorrow, Thursday, and extends into Friday, uh, two days, uh, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Uh, Fran will be joined by uh, an excellent crew, uh, Tom Penn, Andy Katz, Jay Billis, Jay Williams, Mark Jones will serve as the host. Uh, in addition to the ESPN2 telecast, I just wanted to mention this. Uh, new this year uh, on ESPN3, our digital platform, uh, we'll have a dedicated camera on the combine scrimmages. So in addition to the ESPN2 telecast, viewers can log on to ESPN3, available on the Watch ESPN app, and if they choose, watch those scrimmages in their entirety. Uh, ESPN, The ESPN2 telecast will, uh, of course, you know, have analysis, player and personnel interviews, whip-around coverage between the scrimmages and the drills. Uh, more of uh, that information can be found on ESPNMediaZone.com or in the press release that was issued uh, on this yesterday. So with that, we're going to go right into your calls. I know there's quite a few uh, folks on the line. Uh, Fran is ready to go. Um, and we'll get underway here. So why don't we go right to Kyle Austin at Michigan Live, followed by Sam Smith with Bulls.com. Kyle. Hey, Brian. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, just, want yes, to Deont- just want to ask about Deontay Davis, um, first of all. Is he a guy that you can see making the NBA next year, or is he going to take some time uh, maybe in the deep league so he's quite ready? Yeah. You know, Deontay is in that perfect uh, storm of, uh, you know, when you look at when you look at the first round, particularly, you're looking at production versus projection. Production being older players who you expect to come in and play right away, versus projection, a young player in this in his case, really good size, uh, good length, pretty good motor, good athlete, um, but he's 19 years old. And so I expect him to go somewhere in the middle of the first round, late lottery, uh, you know, up to about 20. Uh, But when you're taking a guy like uh, Deontay Davis, you are looking long-term. So, uh, in fact, he was a little bit of a project this year at Michigan State, as you know, um, and and only played uh, 19 minutes a game. So there's a lot to like about Deontay. Uh, there's there's some things that I'm not comfortable with right now. If I were putting him on it, on an NBA court, and a lot of that is on the defensive end, both guarding in the low post and on the perimeter, in terms of defending uh, the the way the game is played right now, it's a speed and space game at the NBA level. But you're talking about a kid. Um, it'd be like drafting a, a 19-year-old high school pitcher who throws 95 miles an hour. You're looking down the road a little bit, hoping you've got yourself a solid NBA player at the power forward position. That helps, Kyle. And Ben, I, I'm on a speaker. Ben, I'm on a speaker. Is it sounding okay? Because I can I can get off the speaker if you need me to. You're very clear to me. I'd be curious to hear what uh, others say, but I think you're all good. Okay. 
Um, Good. Let's go to Sam Smith with Bulls.com, uh, followed by Larry Vaught with Vaught Views. And it looks like Sam's line did disconnect. Okay. Let's go to Larry, uh, and then we'll go to Mark Berman at the New York Post. Uh, thank you. It's sounding good here. Fran, I just wonder if you could talk a, a little bit about where you see Isaiah Briscoe fitting into the draft conversation and also then maybe your expectations for Scala Bizarre. Well, I think Isaiah, um, you know, I mean, I, I personally think he's not ready to play in the NBA. And um, he may be going through some of these individual team workouts. I think this is a good opportunity for him to get a taste of what it's like. Uh, he's in a program that uh, manufactures NBA players like, uh, you know, like, a, uh, like they're in a, a, a bakery, um, um, you know, cookie cutter style. But I don't think Isaiah, in my opinion, is ready for the NBA. He's, uh, he's limited in terms of, of his ability to make outside shots. And right now, in a league that puts a premium on spacing the floor, uh, unless you have an elite, an elite skill besides that, I, that, that would be my best advice to him. Uh, as far as Scal, um, you know, Scal's the, unfortunately, Scal's the product of ridiculous expectations a year ago. Um, because when you look at his body type, and I know Anthony Davis was the first pick in the draft, but Scal's body type, along with his basketball experience, lent itself to this being a um, a very trying first year for him. What you like about Scal is his size and length and his ability to play away from the basket. Right now he plays with no force around the rim. There's no way he can guard an NBA four-man or five-man right now in the low post. And although he's got a nice little touch around the basket, particularly with a jump hook over his left shoulder, his body type is such that he's not getting into the low post anytime soon in an NBA game. Uh, someone's going to take him in the middle of the first round, and again, he is, uh, he's what we call a projection pick. Where do you see him two, three, four years down the road? Because that's when he's going to be able to make a mark on an NBA team, if then. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Let's go to Mark Berman with the New York Post, followed by Gary Washburn at the Boston Globe. Hello, Mark. Hey, Fran. How are you? Um, just uh, had a question about Bender and what you thought about if there's a comparison with Porzingis uh, and how high you think he could go, uh, how similar are they, and were you surprised that Chris stops? Because looking at your transcript from last year, you said he was two years away. Yeah. Were you surprised by what he did this year? Well, I was surprised more by the uh, the instant impact he had. I was uh, I was always very high on Kristaps because he played at a high level, and I don't I don't remember exactly what I told you, but I I thought the thing that got him through this first season, besides the elite athleticism and skills, was his heart. You know, he doesn't mind getting dunked on and uh, doesn't mind trying to dunk on you back at the other end, but. Having said that, um, this is a different animal with Bender because uh, uh, Dragon has not played enough basketball at as, at as high a level as Christoph Porzingis was thrown into at the ACB level. Um, and he's a little bit different in that um, I think Christoph's 
while he's a while he's a perimeter in, outside inside player right now, Bender is more of a, a strictly a perimeter stretch four man. Um, he can shoot the ball well. Um, he moves his feet well, and he can defend. I think he's going to be a better defender than people think, but he's not nearly the finished product right now that Porzingis was a year ago. And in that sense, it's unfair to compare them. He's going to be in the top 10, potentially the top five. Um, but I think, um, I think his best days are ahead of him. Remember he's, he may be the youngest player in the draft. I haven't checked that, but he's very close to being the youngest player in this draft. Uh, just a thought. You actually said, that Kristaps had as much upside as Towns and Okafor, uh, yeah. but it would take a little more time. So, but do, do you still think that that Bender doesn't quite have that upside that maybe because uh, Yeah, uh, he's, less, he's less experienced, Mark. He doesn't have the level of you know minutes played at the level that Porzingis played at the last two years in the ACB at Seville. You know, he, he's been in and out of the Maccabi Tel Aviv lineup this year, and right and rightfully so, by the way, because um, he's 18 and a half years old, you know, and, 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 and Zinger might have been maybe a year older at the same stage, but you're talking about a guy that was thrown into the second-best league in the world and, and, and was able to sink, uh, was it, excuse me, rather, he was able to swim rather than sink. Bender is a terrific prospect, but he's a different kind of, player than uh, um, the, uh, Porzingis is. Thanks, Frank. You got it, Mark. Thanks, Mark. You're listening to the ESPN NBA Draft Combine media conference call with Fran Fraschilla. You can also follow Fran at Fran Fraschilla on Twitter, especially over the next couple of days. I'm sure he'll be very active from Chicago. Uh, let's yep. go to Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe, followed by Sean Devaney from Sporting News. Hey, Fred. Um, the Celtics have the potential, obviously, to, to land what, one of the top two picks, which I guess the first two picks would be pretty obvious. But if they land three, um, that kind of puts them in a predicament of do you take, you know, a guy like Bender or maybe Buddy Heald who – you know, is is maybe the most NBA ready. What that third player outside of the top two? What do you what do you, what kind of pro, prospects? Who's on that list? Do you think might be the third yeah. guy that you would like? And what do you think of Buddy Hield and his NBA potential? Well, you know, if I I think my gut feeling is given the, given where the Celtics are and where a number of teams are thinking right now that Bender's going to be, you know, in the five to seven, eight range. That's just my, my own opinion. Uh, but obviously a very good long-term prospect. Um, for, you know, in that third spot, you're talking about guys who could make an instant impact because of their experience. And that would be healed, done, Murray, uh, in that order, in my opinion. Uh, Pirtle and Ellenson are in that mix as well, but I think, in, in Buddy Heald, you have a guy that not only is a great shooter, but makes tough, contested shots because he has great footwork. And, um, you know, he's a product of four years of just 
being in a gym, you combine it with his athleticism, and he's ready-made to help a team right away. Chris Dunn is similar, but at a different position. He's likely to be the best point guard in this draft. Um, he's got NBA size, strength, ability to pass the ball, uh, uh, you know, older, mature. And then the third guy that I think will be in that mix is is Jamal Murray, uh, only 19 years old, Gary, but way mature beyond his years. Um, anybody who watched him in the Pan Am games last summer as an 18-year-old uh, playing against a feeble level of player, not quite the NBA, but a high-level physical mature players, um, he, he, he was dominant, really, and he dominated the SEC this year. He's a point guard who had to play – off the ball this year because of Tyler Ewis. Um, you know, lead guard, point guard, scoring guard, however you want to say it. Um, and the beauty of Jamal Murray, as opposed to those other two guys, is it looks like there may be more ceiling because he's at least a couple years younger than both. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Gary. I also wanted to mention that there will be a transcript and replay of this media conference call issued uh, later this evening, and it will also be available on our media site, ESPNMediaZone.com. Uh, let's go to Sean Devaney from the Sporting News, uh, followed by Don Doxey with the Quad City Times. Hey, Coach. I uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, happy to help, Sean. Uh, so I'm just wondering, with 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 the international guys, um, there's there's obviously a lot of them projected to be in the first round. I wonder if you could talk about some of the ones that you think are better, uh, and it, are, are they projected in the first round more because it's a weak draft uh, domestically, or are these guys uh, as 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 good as uh, advertised? No, I I think it's uh, I, I think the international. Uh, portion of this draft is got a lot of potentially good players, but certainly nobody nobody ready to make an impact, let's say like Porzingis did a year ago. Um, in my particular order, um, and I really don't follow what everybody has, you know, per se, but uh -huh. to me it's, it's Bender, it's Korkmaz from Turkey, and I know you know these guys, I'll describe them if you want. Um, then it would be Juan Hernan Cook Gomez from Spain, young, stretch, four-man, shooter, some toughness. Um, and I think I think the most ready to to help a team in an NBA setting. And then you know from there it's Zizic and Zubac, the two Croatian kids. Um, Zizic is the more athletic, Zubac is the bigger. Um, so that, those are my five, all capable of going in the first round. Then you have a kid like uh, Tim Luawu, who's got a a lot of buzz. I don't NBA teams are kind of lukewarm on him. I am lukewarm on him, but he's he's an athletic wing defender who is a very streaky shooter, who's still young enough that he has some upside. That would be six off the bat that all could go in the first round. And like I said, that's that's more than 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 we would normally see, or than we've seen in the last few years. Is that is yeah. that maybe a reflection of it being a, a bit of a down year here? 
I, I think it's a combination of everything year to year. It's, uh, you know, in this particular case, you're looking at, uh, I mean, you know, for example, Bender, Korkmaz, and Zubac were all born in 1987. So that right. makes them all turn 19 this year. Well, there's a lot of upside if you like one of those guys, especially, you know, as you move down into the middle or end of first round. I think it's really a confluence of events, and it's it's more about the fact that it's not a strong draft and less about the fact that these are all impact guys because I, I really – None of none of the international guys are impact guys this year. None of them. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Let's go to Don Doxy with the Quad City Times, followed by Jerry Tipton with the Lexington Herald Leader. Yeah, Fran, the two two of the better power forwards in all of college basketball this year were in the state of Iowa, George Niang and, and Jared Utoff. Um, yep. And yet those two are not – very high at all on any draft charts, maybe won't even be drafted at all. Can you just kind of tell me why you feel that is, what it is about them that the scouts don't like? Well, I think, you know, it's, um, you know, the way, the best way to analogize it, Don, is, um, and I got to say this, that it comes out the right way. College basketball at that level that these two young played at is double A baseball. You know, the the top Euro leagues are AAA, and then the NBA is the major leagues. And there's no question that a guy like George Niang or Jared Udoff, and particularly George because he was so – they both were great. Um, that's like hitting 330 in AA. They were magnificent players at this level. Um, but it's a different sport. The athleticism is supreme. And teams look at both of those guys and say, you're going to have to show me that you can compete athletically at, at the NBA level. Um, I do think that both of those guys have a good chance to go in the second round. Um, it's a, it's a matter of taste, uh, but both of those guys are in a, they're going to have to prove that uh, in their, in their different ways that they're going to have to keep up with NBA athleticism. Um, you know, George is an undersized foreman and, and Jared is really a, you know, he's kind of got the body type of a three-man because he doesn't have the kind of girth that you need to play inside. What helps both of them is the NBA is evolving into a space league and a perimeter league, and, and shooting is at a premium, and both of those guys are skilled offensive players. I think they're going to both have to prove their mark on NBA summer league teams and go from there. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Don. Let's go to Jerry Tipton with the Lexington Herald Leader, followed by Rusty Simmons with the San Francisco Chronicle. Fran, I wonder, uh, you mentioned uh, Scalabissier as a uh, projection pick. I wonder how, uh, what, what sort of success rate is there with projection picks in terms of becoming, you know, dependable, productive NBA players? Well, obviously, Jerry, when you talk about Draymond Green getting taken in, you know, in the 30s, um, these teams miss on players. Uh, but they, but, but, but NBA teams, by and large, know what they're looking for. And you know, in a draft like this, once you get past, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, you know, you'll see a lot of teams trying to trade out of the pick. 
and come making phone calls because, the, you know, the, the, unless they have a guy they absolutely love, it, it becomes a crapshoot. And Scal is a crapshoot kind of player. You love the length and athleticism. Um, you love the fact that he made, like, probably 45% of his mid-range jump shots this year. Um, a lot of pick-and-pop shots. Uh, he didn't really show the range that he has out to the th- NBA three-point line. And he doesn't have the physical presence to really hold his ground in the low post. So these are all major factors in an NBA game right now. So, you know, to me, it's it, he's hit and miss as much as anybody who's taken between 15 and 60 is hit and miss. And that seems to be the case every year. You know, guys – Guys that go after the, you know, the elite guys go, he's really in that range where from 15 on down to, let's say, 30 is his real range. You know, there's a lot of things that need to be uh, polished up and improved on, and a lot of it is just physical maturity and strength um, and, and some skills like passing and dribbling the ball. Because in watching a lot of tape of him, most of his mid-range shots came wide open, pick and pop off a Ulis or Murray pass because those guys were so important to a defense guarding them that he was the beneficiary of wide open shots. So there's things to like, but there's things that are certainly, uh, you know, uh, chinks in the armor, well, so to speak. And, and uh, Fran, what do you think of uh, Marcus Lee as a prospect? Energy guy, second round. If he runs hard, I know he's I know he's a high character guy. If he runs hard, plays hard, plays within his you know ability to defend and rebound and dunk offensive rebound putbacks, run to the rim on pick and rolls. Um, you know he's got a chance. He really does because I saw him in practice in December and excuse me in October. And to me, he's a you know he's a he's a big man project who somebody's going to likely draft in the second round. If he's not drafted, you'll see him in Las Vegas running up and down the court in the NBA Summer League, where you know he can prove himself. Thanks, Fran. Hi, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Let's go to Rusty Simmons with the San Francisco Chronicle, followed by Sheldon Nichols with the Baton Rouge Advocate. Hi, right, thanks for doing this, Fran. Um, I kind of yeah. had a, a two-part question with the, the Warriors. They'll be yeah. drafting at the end of the first round again. Just wondered what you thought yeah. of, of their front office has handled those picks in the in the 30 range and, and, and who might be there uh, this year. Well, let's see. Festus Azili and uh, Draymond Green. I'd say that's pretty good, Rusty. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but in, in all seriousness, it's an ideal place. It's an ideal place for uh, two types of players here, actually three. And last year, you know, you can go projection for three years down the road. You can go production, a veteran guy who slipped uh, down to the end, and you can go international guy and figure out whether you want to stash him. So let's take, let's take one at a time, okay? Uh, and it, a perfect projection guy picking at 30, and I don't think he'll be there but would be the aforementioned Scalabissier, okay? Perfect guy. Or a 
hit the lottery a second time and take a Damian Jones, a center out of Vanderbilt. I think Damian and Scow will both be gone by then. The second type of guy you take is a production guy, a veteran uh, who has proven to be a very good college player like a Malcolm Brogdon from Virginia, um, a guy that could be there. And the negative on him is he's going to be 24 soon. The positive is he he's perfect for a playoff uh, winning culture team because that's what he is. And then the third kind of guy, you want a foreign guy at 30, you take an Ante Zizic from Croatia, six foot 11, 19 years old, and down the road could be an Ennis Cantor type of player. That's what the Warriors, I think, are going to look at for the foreseeable future. Great stuff, Fran. Thank you so much. Yeah, happy to help. Thank you, Rusty. Let's go to Sheldon Nichols with the Baton Rouge Advocate, followed by Brett Dawson with the New Orleans Advocate. Sheldon. Hey, Fran. How you doing today? Good, Sheldon. Hey, uh, obviously, the, with Ben Simmons, uh, you know, skipping the um, the combine, uh, how much do you think that will affect him at all, or do you think he's still uh, one or two? Do, do you believe he's one or two, uh, obviously? Uh, who do you like at one? It's a lock for one or two. It really is. Um, not playing and not going to the combine is no big deal. I don't think teams uh, expected him. You know, there's nothing he can gain by being there. His body of work is his body of work. Uh, now, the only thing is um, where there was a huge gap three months ago between Simmons and Ingram, there's no question the gap has shrunk. Um, you know, there's there's things about Ben that have to be figured out in interviews, and he's only going to interview for one or two teams anyway, and the, team, the team's going to have to decide what to do, but – by and large, Ben is obviously locked in at one or two, barring an injury, and um, his his camp will go from there. And and also Tim Quarterman from LSU, do you think he's kind of a really late uh, second, or do you think he could get in in, in there at all? Well, uh, you know, I don't have him in my top sixty, but, okay. but I'm just another ESPN talking head, so. I uh, watch a lot of tape, and I do take this stuff seriously. But if I were him, I'd go back to school. And uh, with the returning group they have, I would try to show people you can – he couldn't He couldn't do the job as the second banana, in my opinion. He didn't handle it well. He needs to go back and handle, you know, being a team leader next year. Although, yeah. is, is, he, is he gone? I don't know if he has an agent yeah, or not. He, he signed, yeah. All right, well, he's going to the D-League. Okay. Next time, you, next time you see him, you'll be watching him in Erie or Maine. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was a chance, you know, maybe he has a good, well, you know, some workouts. No, you, you know, to your point, there's 450 guys that make the league every sure. year. If, if he's on an NBA roster come October, it's not going to be a shock. But uh, I think even then he'll spend a lot of time in the D-League. Yeah. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, Sheldon. Let's go to Brett Dawson with the New Orleans Advocate, followed by Conrad Brunner at 1070 The Fan in Indianapolis. Brett. Hey, Fran. Uh, New Orleans is going to be somewhere in that top nine. If they don't make a big jump, they'll be in that six to nine range. Where do you see maybe a drop in the draft 
and, and who do you see maybe who could be in that six to ten range? You know, it's it's my opinion that the drop takes place around eleven or twelve. Um, and and I've also had teams tell me a lot of teams tell me that that's what they see the cutoff is. So you are looking in the six to nine range at some intriguing prospects. Obviously, one of the guards that I mentioned earlier, a Murray, a Dunn, or a Heald could could fall into that range. A Jakob Pertle or Henry Ellenson seem to be in that range, two young big guys with a lot of potential. And then I think a, uh, a guy that may be the best athlete in the entire draft is going to be in that range, and that's Marquise Chris from Washington, uh, University of Washington, I might add. Uh, a, a freakish athlete, young, one of the youngest players in the draft, and, and uh, improving skill level. So those are some names that are going to be right there staring the Pelicans in the face. And uh, each of those guys in their own way has a chance to be a very solid NBA player at various times down the road. Thanks, Fran. Welcome. Thank you. Let's go to Conrad Brunner at 1070 The Fan, followed by Nicholas uh, Abreu at Sports Junkies. Conrad. Hey, Coach, obviously down in the bottom third of the first round, the Pacers would love to find a point guard, among other things. But is there anybody that, that – you know, who's in there as point guard? Would would, Bar, would Cat Barber be in there? Obviously, Jackson or you. What's the crop look like in that bottom third of the first round? Well, you know, it, it, it's a deep point guard draft, but not deep in terms of NBA starters. Uh, but it is a deep point guard draft, and uh, – you know, when you start getting to where the Pacers will pick, you're obviously looking at uh, it could be a Demetrius Jackson from Notre Dame, so, and, and who's an Eric Bledsoe-type clone. It could be Wade Baldwin from Vanderbilt, um, who's got a six foot ten wingspan that, uh, by and large, those 6'3 point guards with 6'10 wingspans have had some success in the league. It could be a uh, – I'm just looking at my list here because I want to – it could be a DeJounte Murray who is only a freshman at Washington who's six foot five, who can play point, who's got a lot of long-term potential. And it could be a guy like Tyler Ewis uh, uh, who's five foot nine. He's an outlier because there aren't many five nine point guards in the league, but a very skilled player, and you hope he's a uh, – Isaiah Thomas type of type of guy in terms of his impact. Of those guys, coach, is there anybody that if you were an NBA GM, you would want to hand your team to right away? Um, no, I, I think they're all, <laughs> I, I, I do honestly think they're all rotation backup point guards at this point. And, 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 you know, in one case, DeJounte Murray's only 18 or 19. So, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to need to take, you know, take some time. Poor, a very good athlete, very good decision maker, poor shooter right now. Thank you. I, I, my gut feeling is Pacers will take the best player available and not worry about position. Thank you. Let's go to Nicholas with Sports Junkies, uh, and we'll go back to Sam Smith with Bulls.com if you're on the line. 
Hey, Trent. So um, how has the Warriors' dominance with small ball base and shooting affect big guys like uh, Pirtle and Sabonis as well as the draft as a whole? Well, it does affect it because you have to, you, you know, well, first of all, it's so ironic. Like a lot of, you know, like a lot of college teams have been playing small ball forever, you know, European teams. Um, but to your point specifically, it does affect it affects it does affect how you draft because you know if, for example if you're drafting bigs you have to be very concerned about how they're going to handle themselves away from the basket whether they're guarding stretch bigs or they're guarding pick and roll so you know lateral quickness is a big factor right now if you're taking a big man unless you just know you have to have a, a, a you know, you, you just love somebody that much. And I would say this, keep in mind, there's a lot of good young big guys in the, coming into the league right now. You look at Carl Towns, you look at Andre Drummond. So you still have to battle dinosaur for dinosaur at times. But a team has to decide with their, when drafting some of these young big guys, of which there are a number, how they're going to utilize them and how they're going to be both effective on an NBA court and ineffective and how you cover for their weaknesses while, um, you know, embellishing some of their strengths within your system. So it's, it's, de- it's definitely a factor. You know, Diamond Stone of Maryland, terrific young big guy with great hands, great size. He's going somewhere in the middle of the first round. But you have to ask yourself, if we take him, how do we protect him in pick-and-roll coverage, for example? And uh, one one more thing, can you talk a little bit about the uh, difference between Simmons and Ingram, what you're getting from both? And I heard a comparison that Simmons might be more like Lamar Odom than LeBron because of his mental makeup. Can you talk about that a bit? Um, You know, Simmons is as good a passer as you will ever see from a 6'10 guy. And I know I'm old enough to go back to Magic the kid is gifted. He's as good a passer as there is. And and he makes your NBA team automatically faster because of, of his ability to rebound and, and not outlet it, but push it. Um, you know, there are some analytics that just blow you away, and one of them is a minor one, but he's got the best assist per 40 minutes for a power forward in the last 40 years, with the exception of Draymond Green, who tied – you know, the same amount of assists. So he's a rebounder, he's a great passer, and he's a tremendous athlete. The shooting will scare some teams, but the way the NBA is right now, a guy that makes your team faster from the power forward spot is unheard of, really, you know. But in, in terms of Ingram, you're looking at a young combo forward who has got multiple offensive skills but still weighs 205 pounds. So there are you're going to have to figure out if you draft him, are we playing him at the three or are we playing him as a stretch four, you know, what I would call a floating four. And he's got a world of upside. But defensively right now, you're going to be covering for him for the foreseeable future because he doesn't have a position to guard at the moment. But an enormous offensive talent. So you, you're deciding between taking, do you like vanilla or do you like chocolate? To me, 
as long as the attitude checks out, Ben Simmons is a once every five to ten years type of draft pick. Thank you. Thank you. I've been told that uh, a couple of folks had dropped off the line or weren't able to reconnect. Uh, I know that there is a handful of people still uh, listening in. We have we've gone about 40 minutes. We could probably go what, Fran? You think another five to ten? Um, Easily. If yep. if we have uh, follow up questions from the folks on the line, uh, I guess I could ask the operator to unmute. Uh, all of their lines, and if you guys have uh, an additional question for Fran, feel free. Just you know, make sure you state your name beforehand. All right, I will go ahead and unmute all the lines at this time. Uh, I have one, please. Go ahead. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Hey, Fran. This is uh, Conrad Brunner in Indianapolis. Again, totally different topic, but guys like uh, AJ Hammonds. Uh, Demetrius Jackson to a point they're at the combine Swanigan I think is also at the combine Williams uh, Troy Williams and Yogi Ferrell aren't are what what do you what do you think they need to show to get their the correct decisions made about the draft well AJ Hammonds has uh you know there'll be good there'll be good buzz about him as long as his interviews check out and the background stuff checks out because uh, it's hard to find a guy that's seven feet tall that does what he does defensively. Uh, even though he's a four-year player, um, and we talk about the speed and space game, you still need your, uh, you know, you still need a number of big guys uh, on your roster. And AJ, I think, is a perfect guy in the middle of that first round. Demetrius Jackson, uh, you know, again, perfectly made for the NBA game because you can't hand to hand check. He's going to get wherever he wants on the court. Um, I compare him to a, you know, to a, as I said before, an Eric Bledsoe type, terrific athlete. He has to shoot it a little bit better uh, if he's going to go from being a rotation guy or a backup point guard to a starter. Um, uh, Swanigan, you know, not a lot of buzz for him right now, to be honest. I, I think his best bet is to go back to school. I would say work on his hands and his uh, and his and his and his lateral movement, but. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell him what to do, but that's my opinion. And then, you know, Yogi and Troy are going to be two guys that are going to be, if if they're not drafted, they're going to be in the NBA Summer League um, playing for NBA teams, trying to prove themselves. And, you know, to, to that point, Isaiah Thomas was the 60th player taken a few years ago and is now an NBA All-Star. So, God, and by the way, um, it, it does, one game doesn't mean anything, but I thought Yogi acquitted himself very well against a guy that everybody has in the first round by the name of Tyler Eulis. He blew by him three different times in that game. Thanks. Thank you, Conrad. Uh, anybody else have another question for Fran? Feel free to go. I've got one. This is uh, Nick Abreu again. What do you Go think ahead, about yeah. Thon Maker as a wild card in this draft, friend? Uh, wild card. I mean, you know, he's a very mature 19-year-old. It's um, the best way I could put it. He's long and athletic. I've gotten to know him. Uh, I, I run the Under Armour summer camps, and he was a camper there last summer. He seems like a terrific kid. He plays with a high motor. 
Um, his skill level is not at the NBA level right now, and I could see him going, you know, anywhere from 20 to 45. Thank you. A uh, friend, Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe again. Uh, hey, Gary. The Celtics also, also have 16 yeah. and 20. Hello? Gary, they got eight picks. <laughs> yeah, they got eight picks, five second rounders. I know. Six okay at sixteen and twenty three, are those just guys that are like? Does the depth of this draft allow them to get a productive NBA player at either of those picks, or are those guys that are just going to have to be stashed, or you know, the kid like Murray who's going to be two three years away? You know, uh, I think sixteen's a good pick, uh, Gary, for this reason. I have a lot of. Uh, and I, I think Danny and his staff do a really good job. And I think 16 is a place where they're going to hope one of the guys they really like slips. And, you know, like I said before, I thought the draft stopped at 12. I mean, for starters particularly maybe. Um, but I, I think 16 is a terrific pick for them. I, I, I you know, my opinion, it's, it's somebody like a Sabonis, a Beasley, a, a Deontay Davis, you know, uh, a Ben Bentel um, from Providence. It, there's going to be somebody they like there that I think they're going to be excited about taking. And then, of course, because of all the picks, you're talking about a team that could be willing and dealing, too, with trades. But I, I always think that uh, that 13 to 22 range is where a, a team picking there really likes somebody that they had in their top 10 and just falls to them. I think the Celtics could be in that position. Thank you. Hey, Fran, this is Jerry Tipton uh, again. Uh, yep. I- I'm, one- I'm wondering uh, about a guy like Stefan Moody at Ole Miss, who was a very uh, entertaining player, very productive player in college. Yeah. And uh, I get the feeling absolutely no buzz, no combine invite. What? Uh, yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, you know, Jerry, I'll get back to the fact that um, you know the league. The league is first and foremost about athleticism and then positional size. Um, now there are outliers. So right off the bat, you know, very good college player, explosive scorer, but you know, um, not not the size nor the kind of game that I think translates you know, for a scoring guard. But having said that, he's a kid that will probably get signed right after the draft and have a chance to prove that we're, that we're all wrong. Happens every year, you know. There's always that guy that, uh, you know, that's undersized, that finds a way to play in a league because they've got the skill and the, and the toughness and competitiveness. But there is no buzz about Stefan Moody right now. And really not that much buzz when you think of the SEC – you know, a little obviously Baldwin and, and uh, Jones at Vanderbilt. Uh, Finney Smith is a second rounder at Florida. You know, there's not a lot of there there uh, from the SEC at the moment. And, and Fran, what do you think of uh, Kay Felder? Uh, now, there's a guy that can really play. And, and he and Ulysses are going to be competing for, you know, which guy which guys NBA teams think is the like most like Isaiah Thomas. 
Um, and again, an outlier because he's five foot nine, but supremely skilled, uh, great passer, gets fouled a lot, fearless. You know, a lot of attributes there that are similar to uh, Tyler Ulis. I think Tyler Ulis could have averaged 26 and nine at Oakland, and Kay Felder could have done what Tyler Ulis did at Kentucky, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's high praise. Well, similar type players, very similar, and I think they'll both be on rosters next year. Thanks, Fran. Yep. Hey, Fran, one more? Sure. Sheldon Mickles again from Baton Rouge. Um, you mentioned Damian Jones a little bit. What do you like about him, and where do you see him fitting in? He's he's from uh, here in Baton Rouge. I know. I know. He had a good high school career, uh, as I understand, and he's a young guy, which I like. Um, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of his, you know. I think he's one of those perfect guys that you take a playoff team, takes around 18 to 25, and, it, and is going to be very happy with Damian. I know that there are people that think he did not have a great two-year year, but uh, biggest problem with Damian, and, you know, we've got him at seven. I've got him at seven foot 245. I haven't, I haven't seen the measurements at the combine yet, but biggest problem with Damian is just staying out of foul trouble. He was in mm-hmm. foul trouble in 21 of 33 games, but when you're looking at a kid his size with his athleticism and bounce, and the one thing NBA teams love is, is big men that can change ends of the floor. Um, I happen to be a fan of his, and uh, I think he's got great value right there in the middle to end of the first round because uh, as my good friend Tommy Penn, who will be on the broadcast, says so much, and he was in the NBA front offices forever, size rises. Um, you can't get enough size in the first round, and I think uh, with his size, wingspan, intelligence, athleticism, um, you know, he, he's going to go in that, uh, you know, middle middle part of that first round. Thank but you, he's sir. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. Thanks. Hey, Fran, Jerry Tipton again. I think John said earlier today that he thinks uh, Marcus Lee is going to stay in the draft. Yes. What, uh, what is the likelihood of maybe some D-League time to develop, further develop? High, high. Um, you know what, Jerry, as I think I might have said this earlier, I, I happen to like uh, Lee as a, again, I hate to say project, but that's what, you know, it's, you're talking about the 450 best players in the world. Um, if a team drafts him in the second round or they sign him, I could see him, you know, being part of an NBA veteran camp, being signed to play in the D League and just, you know, starting his career there, you know, if he doesn't want to go to Europe. Um, but he's a big man who runs the floor, plays with a good motor. You know, he's got a chance, you know. He's 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 not skilled, but he's he's active and he's and he and he's got a good motor. And so you know, he, he's a 50-50 guy. It's a 50-50 proposition that will be on an NBA roster. Thanks, Fran. Great. Anything else for Fran? <laughs> okay. Why don't we wrap up there? Fran, thank you very much for all the time today and to all the writers yep. for the great questions. And uh, like I said earlier, there's going to be a transcript of this call and a replay that will be issued uh, wide, you know, give us 90 minutes or so, and uh, we'll get that out there. And it will also be available on our media site. 
Uh, make sure you follow Fran at, at Fran Vrishilla on Twitter, especially over the next couple of days, and check out our draft combine coverage. It should be a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Let us conclude our conference for today. Thank you for your participation. Thank you, Ben.